Hey everyone, Rob B here with Rob D, and you are listening to the Property Podcast. This week we have five principles that you must, must follow in this interesting market right now. It's a strange world at the moment, but if you follow these principles, you'll do very well. Welcome to the Property Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is the show where we take time out from advising a multi-million pound property fund, which you can find out more about at portfolio.co.uk, and from running our property businesses and bring you the knowledge that we've gained along the way for free. Today, yes, we're helping you navigate probably the most interesting time in the market, not just the property market, but all the markets since we started this podcast nearly a decade ago. And we're going to be giving you those five principles that will help you navigate this pretty weird world. And make sure you stick around to the end because in Hub Extra, we've got a recommendation and an anti-recommendation for you as well. So it's time for our new story of the week now. And it is a big news story, one possibly that we're going to have to cover in more detail in a few weeks' time, because the government has published a white paper on how they are going to create a fairer private rented sector. Rob, obviously, that's a good ambition to have. Is there anything in this white paper that stood out for you? I know we can get into a lot of detail here, but initially, at a glance, is there anything that anybody needs to be worried about or really pleased about? Well, this is long anticipated. This kind of reform to the rental sector has been spoken about for years. And as a result, most of what is in there, we already knew about. But there is more detail. So, for example, the end to Section 21 evictions, that's the big one. That is in there. But there is more detail at this stage than we're used to having. So when the government announces something, we always complain that it's just a headline and there's nothing behind it. Now there is something behind it. But from what I can see, there's nothing new that investors should be particularly concerned about. It's just more detail about things we already knew. The point that grabbed the headlines when this initially came out was something in there that hasn't been spoken about before in exactly this way, which is, well, the way it was presented in the headlines was that landlords would be forced to accept tenants with pets. It's not phrased in exactly that way. It's about tenants must be able to request it and you can't unreasonably turn them down. So it's not the case that a tenant will automatically be allowed to open up a zoo in a one bed flat somewhere. But the fact that that grabbed the headlines when it's not in itself like the biggest deal kind of tells you that there's no bombshell in here. So I think, Rob, this is going to be a really interesting one to dig into a bit more over the coming weeks. But for now, I think we can say it's good news that this has finally come out. We know a bit more about some of these things that have been in the pipeline for a long time, and there's nothing particularly scary in there. Now, we're very lucky this episode because we have a Amazon bestseller on the episode. Rob, you said, oh, wait a minute, I've scrolled down the notes, it's you. <laughs> but still, it's still it's still brilliant. Congratulations. The price of money has been out nearly a week now. It went to number one on Amazon out of all books, which is incredible. And even now, nearly a week on, it's in the top five nonfiction books, which is just brilliant. The, you know, it wasn't there for five minutes and then disappeared. It shot in straight at number one, and it's been bouncing around the top for the best part of a week. You must be absolutely over the moon. Yeah, I really am. It's super cool. I was glad enough just to have it finished, but the fact that it's out there in the world and it's done really well is great. And the best thing about it 
is the messages that I've had since it came out because clearly there are some fast readers out there because there's people who've already finished it or have got a long way through it and have sent me really lovely messages saying how it's the, the book that they've always wanted. They've always wanted to understand this topic but never been able to find like an accessible way in. And that's exactly the reason I wrote it in the first place. So the fact that people are receiving it in that way and getting from it what I wanted them to is super awesome. And a huge thank you to everyone who's bought it so far. Yeah, it's brilliant. For so long, people have been asking us both, what books on economics can you recommend? And you're right, there aren't that many accessible books out there where you kind of go, okay, read this, it won't be too hard, it's easy to digest, and you'll know a lot more. There are some decent books out there, and I know I'm biased, but I really, really do believe you've delivered on that. And it's brilliant to see that it's been received that way by the wider community and beyond because I'm sure other people are picking it up now they're seeing it up in the charts and with those great reviews that are coming in but if you haven't got yourself a copy yet don't worry it's not sold out you can get a copy on Amazon just search for the price of money or search for Rob Dix you'll find it it's there it's the one with all the five star reviews near the top of the charts yes I know I keep saying it but I am proud of my friend he's done very very well and deservedly so so go check that out the price of money find it on Amazon now give it a read and let Rob know what you think. Last week on the podcast, we ran through the last 50 years or so. We talked about how the financial world works today and how it got to this point. Because when you actually understand the story of what's brought us to this point and how the world really works now, not the bits you're told in the papers and everything else, but how things really work, then it should fundamentally change the way you invest. Based on what we talked about last week and what you now know, you should be able to go away and draw your own conclusions and formulate your own investment strategy. But we're going to make it even easier for you than that. Now you know where we are and what the financial environment of the future is going to look like. In this episode, we're going to share five principles for investing in this environment to make it work for you. We talked last time about how you can either be harmed by what's happening and what's going to happen, or you can use it to your benefit. Well, by following the five principles we're going through today, you will be able to harness this and prosper as a result. But before we do that, let's have a quick recap of what the future may look like based on what we know from understanding the past. You look at professional investors like Ray Dalio, this is what they do. They use the past to help them guide them with the future. And there's so many patterns. It's not just a one-off. And look, that's happened once before. It just happens time and time again. So what we know by looking at the past is that in the future, it's likely that interest rates are going to be stuck at low levels because if they normalize them, then the government or the private sector will really struggle to pay their interest payments. And that's why it's been so low for so long. And they've not been trying to raise them at any rapid rate. They're kind of slowly doing a little bit now. The reason they hadn't done it before that is because they knew that it would put themselves, the government, and businesses in a bit of trouble. And also everyday people. Our debts would be more expensive as well. And that generally is not a popular move to make. So there was no incentive for them to raise interest rates. And that dynamic still is in place now. They're not incentivized to move them up at any rapid rates. They're trying to get them up as much as they can without it hurting too much because of inflation but they're not going to move it up anywhere near as fast as they should if they wanted to tackle inflation. It's not going to happen because the incentives are all misaligned. And inflation is the second point. As we talked about last week, it's highly likely to be higher for the next 10 years than it has been for the last 30 years. And there's a few different reasons for that. We went into them last time. Do go back and listen to last week's episode if you haven't already. But a pretty important one is that it helps the government out. 
because it reduces the amount of debt in the system relative to the size of the economy. And let's be clear, this is a bit of a trick. It's not really reducing the amount of debt, as in the absolute amount of pounds. All it's doing is it's making the output of the economy bigger by everything costing more. Therefore, as a proportion, the debt is lower. It's kind of sneaky, but it also needs to happen because of what Rob was saying a moment ago. Interest rates can't rise far at the moment because there is so much debt. So reducing the size of the debt relative to the size of the economy is essential in putting governments and central banks back in charge again and giving them the tools that they need to manage the economy in the future as they have done in the past. And Rob, it's when you put these two things together, interest rates and inflation, that's when you get to the really key point. And that is inflation will remain higher than the interest rate, even if inflation comes down. So you'll always be losing money if you save. I'll say that again, because remember, this is going against everything you were taught at school. You're going to lose money if you save. But that's all we're taught, right? Is saving. But let's get into the principles now, because saving is a huge, huge point. And this is not a statement you should absorb lightly, because it is a completely different shift to how the majority of our country and the world practice personal finance. So let's get into the five principles, Rob. The first one is about saving. Yep, that's the first principle. Forget about growing your wealth by saving. Savers will be punished because your cash will lose value faster than the interest you earn. I got an email from a bank that I have some savings with the other day. It was a really positive, upbeat email telling me that the interest rate on my savings account has increased from 0.9% to 1.15%. And that's cool. But inflation is what? 8%, 9% at the moment? So those savings that I've left there are going to leave me 8% poorer in a year's time, even as a result of them generously putting the rate up a bit. And this isn't new. It's been this way since 2008, 2009, when the base rate was slashed to half a percent. And for the reasons we've talked about, this is going to continue into the future pretty much indefinitely. And even though this has been going on for over a decade now, I think, Rob, that Many people haven't internalised this yet because of what you said, because of what you're taught at school, because of the lessons that you get from your parents or your family who grew up in a completely different financial world. You just assume that saving is the thing to do. And I'm not saying don't have any savings. Of course, you need to save up before you invest. You need to have an emergency fund, all this kind of thing. But money has kind of become something you need to get rid of as quickly as possible by investing it or spending it. Because any cash that you've got hanging around, even if it's in the absolute best number one savings account in the country is guaranteed to be losing you money. It is. And if you said that to an older generation, they'd probably be shaking their heads because the world has changed. But if you think they're going to shake their heads at that, they're really going to get worried for you with our next point. Number two is take on debt. Actively take on debt and use it to invest. Because where the interest rate is lower than inflation, it's effectively free money. Your debt is going to be eroded rapidly by inflation. It's just not going to be worth as much in the future as it is now. And we talked about that last week. Again, go back and listen if you haven't already. But because the value of your debt is being eroded, then debt suddenly becomes very, very attractive. Especially, and this is really what you should be using debt for, to invest in assets. Rob, again, it's going to be a weird one for people, particularly if they're just new to the podcast, to say, right, savings is a bad idea and debt is a good idea. 
But it really, really is. It's crazy, isn't it? It's the opposite of what you're taught, and it's the opposite of what has worked for much of history. But this is how things are now. Because we talked about how the government kind of needs the policies that are going to be in place over the coming years to reduce the value of their own debt. It's going to do exactly the same for you. Of course, you've got to be careful. When you invest by taking on debt, there is always more risk than if you don't use any debt at all. We won't get into all that now, but it's important to say. And also, the investment that you've borrowed the money to actually invest in needs to perform. If you take on a load of debt and put it all into a cryptocurrency that goes to zero, that wasn't a smart move. So we'll talk in a bit about what to actually invest in. But with the caveat that, of course, you need to be responsible and you need to actually invest it in something that performs higher than the rate of interest you're paying, then yeah, taking on debt, it sounds counterintuitive, but it's something that you really should be doing. But not all investments are created equal when it comes to an inflationary environment. A lot of people, when interest rates start to move up, and they have been moving up slowly, as we've acknowledged, will look at bonds because of the fixed income. And that's what people historically have done when interest rates start moving up. But that's not taking into account the rate of inflation that we're experiencing and going to experience. And while interest rates are moving up slowly, we've already said that inflation is going to move at a faster, higher rate. So therefore, Rob, bonds aren't actually a good investment at all. No, this is a controversial one. And bonds are complicated. The way that they're priced, the way that the market moves, it's hard to get it all across quickly. So I'll spare the details. And I'll also acknowledge that a lot of financial advisors will completely disagree with this. They will say that bonds are good because they're less volatile than the stock market. It reduces risk. They tend to perform well when the stock market is doing poorly and vice versa. And I acknowledge that there are some people who just don't want to take on any risk at all and maybe it's right for them. But I think on the whole that the benefits of bonds are way overdone. I don't think that they are inversely correlated with the stock market anymore. And I think that while they may be less volatile than the stock market, well, that's fine. But their performance is just going to be bad. If they're not volatile because they're just always bad, then what's the point? I think there are other things that you can invest in that are going to perform better. But the core point around this, kind of stripping out all the complex bits that I won't get into, is this fixed income part. So any kind of investment where you're being paid a fixed number of pounds when over a time that the value of the pound is being eroded is bad news. So this is different from rents. So rents we'll come on to in a bit, tend to rise in line with inflation. So you might be getting paid £500 a month in rent now and be able to increase it to £525 next year. But if you own a bond where you paid £100 for the bond and you get, say, a pound back every year, then you're always getting paid that pound. That pound remains the same, but the value of the pound is falling. So unlike rents which increase with inflation and keep pace with it, the return that you'd make on your bond would be falling every year. Like I say, it's a complex area and it's a controversial view, but I strongly believe that based on what the future is going to look like, there are far, far more attractive investments out there. One of which is the stock market. So yes, this is the property market, but the stock market over the long term will do well. But invest boringly. There are a lot of sexy stocks out there at the moment. And in my opinion, crazy valuations. So maybe one day they'll be justified. But you know what? There's a lot of good, solid, boring stuff out there. Companies that make profits, that I know it's a weird concept, but make profits and are reasonable valuations. You know, Warren Buffett may have heard of him. He's done quite well at just finding good businesses and just investing them over the long term. And inflation helps this. So although we are the property podcast and we will talk about property shortly, the stock market can also be an option for you in this environment. 
So yes, principle number four is to invest in the stock market boringly. And principle number five is to invest in something else, not just property, or well, property is part of it. Invest in real assets, because real assets benefit from inflation. What are real assets? Well, it's physical stuff that you can touch. So property, commodities, infrastructure, things that you can actually lay your hands on. All of these investments actually benefit from the inflation that we believe will be a continuing feature of the years to come. Infrastructure, won't talk about now, but there's a bit about it in the book. Commodities, though, I think are worth speaking about for a minute. So commodities are roughly kind of, you can think about as goods that are used as the inputs in production of other goods. So oil, copper, aluminium, gas, corn, wheat, things you wouldn't want to keep in your garage, basically, all things that people need to live. They either need them for the production of food or they're needed for energy to keep everything going. These tend to do well under inflationary conditions because normally when there's inflation, there's inflation because an economy is performing well. The economy is booming. Therefore, there's more being produced, more being demanded and commodities are needed. At the moment, we're getting the inflation without the economy really booming. But commodities will still do well because the producers of commodities have got pricing power. So take oil. Oil is used as an input into so many goods, huge proportions of what we use, and of course is needed for transport as well. So everyone needs oil. So if oil producers decide to put their prices up by 10% because inflation is running high, what are people going to do? Say, no, thank you. Don't fancy any oil. No, they're just going to pay the price. So commodities are a category of real asset that you probably want to be exposed to at a time when inflation is likely to be on the higher side. This is the property podcast. I won't get into the detail of how to actually invest in commodities, although there is a bit about that in the book. Rob, let's come on to property because property is another category of real asset that obviously nine and a half years into doing this podcast, we are fans of. But We're fans of it for good reason. And those good reasons are even better based on where we believe things are going. So let's just start with property as an asset. So property as an asset historically has outperformed inflation. So that's brilliant. So the value of property over the long term has proven to outperform inflation. So that's one big tick in the box. That's like, great, I've got an asset that outperforms inflation. But then you earn an income from those properties. Well, you should do anyway, if you're doing it right. And and that income that you receive from your property, historically, has shown that it goes up with inflation. So you have an income that keeps in line with inflation and an asset that outperforms inflation. So that's a second tick. And then third, most people will buy property with debt, a mortgage. But we've already talked about this week and last how debt is devalued by inflation. So you get that third tick, and that really makes it a powerhouse asset because you have an inflationary beaten asset that gives you an income that runs along with inflation, and you can buy it with debt quite easily, which will then be devalued over the long term by inflation as well. Rob, like you said, we've done this for nearly 10 years because we believe property is an incredible investment over the long term. And probably now, more than ever. What has happened over the last 10 years in property hasn't made us less enthusiastic about property as an asset, but quite the opposite, more and more enthusiastic. Because yes, there have been things that have taken place that have made it more difficult for property investors to operate in the market. But when you look at the economic fundamentals at play here, property has really never been any better 
property now and for the long term is very, very attractive. It's that triple whammy of things in play that makes property almost irresistible as an asset. That's right. If you look at what the next decade or so is going to look like, property actually looks like a better investment today for the next decade than it did when we started the podcast nearly 10 years ago. Property, in terms of like the increase of the capital value of property, hasn't performed that well over the last 10 years. There are other assets that have performed better. It's still done well because everything's done well, but I'm just saying it's not the best. And part of the reason for that is we haven't seen a lot of inflation over the last 10 years until the last six months to a year, at which point we're suddenly seeing a lot more inflation. Therefore, for the exact reasons that you just said, Rob, property seems likely to perform even better. And the income stream that increases with inflation is more valuable than ever before because that's going to be harder to obtain there are going to be fewer assets out there that do pay an income stream that rises in line with inflation. So I know it looks a bit too perfect. We've gone through this whole exercise. We've talked about the history of the financial system. We've talked about where you've ended up. We've talked about where it's going next. And the conclusion you get to is, well, buy property, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. But obviously, there is more subtlety to it than that. We've talked about some of those subtleties today. But Rob, it's hard not to come to that conclusion. It just seems obvious. And to me, even if you end up in the same place, even if you thought previously that buying property was a good thing to do, and now having understood all this, you still think that property is a good thing to do. It's still really worth understanding all this because you should now have so much more conviction in property. You're not just buying property because it seems like a good idea or you met someone once who got rich through property, so you want to do the same thing. You'll now have the conviction to keep on doing it even when people are telling you it's a bad idea and even when it's difficult to do it because you understand why it is such a powerful long-term investment. And to me, that's the real value in all of this. I couldn't agree more, Rob. Fundamentally, most people believe property investment is a good thing to do. It's kind of just accepted as a norm. But accepting it and understanding it are two very different things. And it puts you in such a more powerful position because over the coming months and years, there's going to be you know, a lot of things that will try and distract you from property, talk you out of property. The media playing a massive part of that, your friends and family as well. Not all at once. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's going to happen during the next few months and years. The media loves trying to scare people. You know, people will talk about ongoing wars and different world events happening. But when haven't we had world events? I'm not saying it's good. It's far from it. You know, I just want a peaceful, loving world. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. And there are always events that will happen where people say, ah, well, this time it's different. It'll crash now because of this or because of that. There's always a reason to why it's different now. There's always a short-term scare to why your belief in property may be shaken. But when you truly understand what is happening, which hopefully you do now, and if you haven't, go and read Rob's book and go and re-listen to last week and this week's episode. So you really do understand it. But once this takes hold, you will invest with complete confidence if you invest in property for the long term, then you will do so, so well. Nearly the end of the show, but we always make sure we squeeze in Hub Extra first. The bit of the show where we give you a little bit more, whether it's a book, a resource, a quote, a tip, something that's going to make your life a little bit better. And we back it up with a Hub Extra email that hits the inboxes of Property Hub members every Friday morning. And if you are not subscribed to that yet, then just go to propertyhub.net and sign up completely free and you'll make sure that you don't miss out. Rob, today's Hub Extra is, well, it's a mystery, actually. It's not in the notes and you haven't told me. So go on. What is it? It's actually, well, 
it's an anti-recommendation and then a recommendation. So there's a book out there that's really popular that I think is overrated. Don't worry, Rob, it's not your book. Um, <laughs> it's actually called Empire of Pain, and it's the story of the Sackler family. And you may or may not know that name. They are a very, very famous and wealthy family that made their money through pharmaceuticals. But they got caught up in the opioid scandal in America and their pain relief drugs that they released have caused a lot of controversy. I'm not getting into the story because I don't want to, to ruin it for you. So I picked this book up after seeing all the reviews. I thought this book is going to be brilliant. Normally, and understandably, if you see a book with good reviews, you kind of think, oh, okay, let's give that a go. I was really disappointed. It just dragged and dragged and dragged. I got it as an audible book and it's 18 hours long and sometimes... You know, I've listened to books, you know, twice that length and been devastated when they finished. But this particular one, I was just finding it hard work. So I was disappointed, but I wanted to push through to get to the end of the story. But then I noticed, and this is where my recommendation comes in. Then I noticed that there's been a TV series created on this very story. And it's absolutely brilliant. It delivers the story in a much more digestible way. It's really well done. It's got some major, major actors taking part in a series, and it's called Dope Stick. Dope Stick. And you can find it on Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus. I'm sure we've recommended Hub Extra when it first came out. I signed up then. I'm still a subscriber now. I think it's absolutely brilliant. They're adding stuff to it all the time. But Dope Stick is an absolutely brilliant series. Again, also has great reviews. But this time I'm adding to that because I think it's a brilliant series. That if you're looking for something else to watch at the moment and Love Island isn't quite taking your fancy, then check out Dope Stick. It's a fantastic series. Well, I actually had that on my to-watch list, but I'll bump it up to the top off the strength of that recommendation. Looking forward to it. Well, that is us done for another week. We've sorted out your future investments and we've sorted out your TV watching for tonight as well. Let us know what you thought of this week's episode. You'll find us on all the socials at Property Hub UK. And as always, you can learn more about Portfolio at portfolio.co.uk. We will be back next week for a big, big episode. We're covering a lot of super important topics at the moment and next week is no different. So please do join us for that one. And until then, have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.